Welcome to Exiting Through the 2010s, the podcast where we reflect and dissect through the movies of the past 10 years. I'm your host, Jack Draper, and with me is my co-host, Claire Williams. Hey, this is, uh, we're going to talk about a weird one today. <laughs> and um, joining us is uh, Wes Muzinski. Am I saying that right? Yes, you are. You're the, one of the first people to say it right on the first try. Good job. I've been stressing about that. We're professionals. Okay, good. <laughs> I can go to sleep now. All right. <laughs> So, um, you've lived your life. Right, yeah. Um, <laughs> that's I, it. We're done. I fulfilled my destiny. All right. Podcast thank you. Too. Yeah. Rate, don't forget to rate and view and subscribe. Um, uh, how did you come in contact with, with Coney of the Sacred Deer? Which is the movie we're talking about yes. today. We, yes. we haven't made that clear. The Yorgos Anthemus movie. Oh, how did I come into contact with it? Yeah. So, uh, I want to say like, few years ago like I caught there was a screening of this movie in Seattle and it was the first movie to make me like drive on the highway by myself for the first time so there's like a special kind of connection I have with it mm. and then when the movie was over I forgot where I parked because I was so like in a daze from it that I just spent like two hours in Seattle trying to look for my parking spot. <laughs> That's the hallmark of a good movie, to me, anyway. Oh, my goodness. <clears throat> yeah, and then, like, once you go in your car, you, like, sat there for six more hours. <laughs> <laughs> Just thinking about everything. Um, Staring at the steering wheel and be like, holy shit. Wes, I forgot to ask before that, how did you get into film as, just in general? I was like... Just in general? Shit. Um... So when I was about, like, four years old, my parents got me this edition of 1001 Movies to See Before You Die. Mm. And that, and, you know, as, like, as a kid, you, like, you really don't, like, give a shit about, like, words and, like, like you care about pictures. Mm. Like, mm -hmm. you, like, I don't know, images. And I was, like, looking at all these pictures as a kid, like, and, like, back then, 1001 Movies had, like, a lot of gory shit. <laughs> in their book so i was like oh really yeah it had like henry portrait of a serial killer <laughs> had like the shining so i'm like do they know what kind of book they got me <laughs> <laughs> but it it was like i've but like to me at that age like, like it kind of like, like woke something up almost immediately mm. and i was like wait a minute, I'm into this. Like, I I read it, like, every day, front to back, as much as I could. And I used to bring, I used to bring it to school with me, and the, my classmates were like, hey, Wes, did you bring that movie book? And I was like, yeah, I did. Like, here you go. Like, we just traded it, like, it was Pokemon cards or something. Right, like, this was so, yeah. more than a picture book. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's like kind of heavy to. Yeah. That's heavy to hand a child. Just like, <laughs> all right, you're four years old. Here's all the things you have to watch before you die, which could be sooner than you think. It's just like, <laughs> it's just in the title, just handing a four year old. All right, all the things you got to do before you die. Like, die? What's dying? Don't worry about it. <laughs> Listen, just, kid, just you don't have much time left. All right. So. <laughs> Your um, days are numbered. When I was six, I had these Guinness Book of World Record books, and that oh, had that yeah. same effect, where it's like. I didn't care about the text surrounding it unless it was like in bubble letters. 
and <laughs> all that mattered was the was like stats and like easy to read numbers. So I mean that was just yeah like, that yeah that's kind of similar, um, and like for me when we get to the when we get to covering it, Interstellar was the movie that kind of like broke me. That <laughs> um, was like <laughs> kind of changed you. Yeah, that kind of changed me. Um, and he's still broken today. Yeah, and I still cannot <laughs> look at space the same way. Um, do you have a movie like that where it's just like I I never knew that movies can do this? Uh, definitely Her, Her by mm-hmm. Spike, which, um, yeah, I, like, even thinking about it, like, leaves me speechless. Like, I, I knew about the movie years before I actually got around to seeing it. Like, I heard it was, you know, a guy falls in love with his phone, and then this was, I heard about that back when I wasn't really taking movies as seriously as I do now. So I was like, what, this guy just fucks his phone? That's <laughs> it? <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'll just not watch that. But then you get around to it, and then you're like, oh, fuck. It's like this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that. funny enough, that's our, the second film we covered. Uh, we covered that with Luke Larson. Um, no, yeah, that's that's a tremendous movie. I've I've been kind of obsessed with it recently. I had to do a paper on it. So, um, yeah, no, that's, that's, I can see that. I can definitely see that. Uh, what, so you did, um, you're talking about a thousand and one movies before you die. And Jack, you're talking about Guinness world, uh, world of, uh, Guinness world records. Um, I actually had something similar. It's a little off topic, but, um, the reason why I really got into like, um, comic books and superheroes, because I have this huge DC encyclopedia, and the same, I didn't really read any of it. I just looked at the pictures, and I'm like, this is awesome. I never, like, read a comic book, and I just, for some reason, got obsessed by comics just through, like, an encyclopedia. So I feel like a lot of kids have that idea of just, like, how images portray um, interest and fascination. Like, you just get more um, – it's it's one of those, you know, images and visuals are like a language on itself where you don't have to really comprehend anything to just understand, like – how like visuals impact you um which is i feel like why the power of movies not to get too existential but right i, yes. I, I don't know i think i find that interesting yeah, yeah. so killing of a sacred think... deer um <laughs> a lot of visuals in this <laughs> yes um very visually oriented um yeah it's the yorgos lanthimos movie 2017 premiered at can i think con can whatever and um yeah, it's it's a tale of revenge. Like I, I think I've never seen before or since. Um, this is a this is a great it's, it's a great movie. I mean, I I've seen it now four times, but it's only <laughs> I've I've only seen it that many times to show other people and to rewatch it for this. So it's not like oh I need the fix, you know? It's like, <laughs> um, but yeah. It, and despite seeing it that many times, I still like The Lobster and The Favorite more. And I still like Dogtooth more. Um, you still like Dogtooth more? I haven't seen Dogtooth in a while, but I... So I... They're on, like, the same level, I guess. I'll put it like that, but... Yeah. Where does this rank among you guys for Anthemos? So I rewatched this last night in preparation for this podcast, and I... 
really feel like it solidified my belief that this is his funniest movie. Mm. Yeah. Like every five seconds are just like a little like just thing to cat like catch. Like it, it rewards, you know, rewatches and stuff like that. Mm. And like everything about it. It's just <laughs> I don't know. You have to tune to its wavelength and humor, I think. Yeah. Extremely. Yeah. It's it it I, I love it, but I gotta say, while I was watching it, I'm like, this might be the most alienating movie I've ever seen. Because if you're not on its wavelength, you're gonna hate it. There's just no way you don't actually, like, actively hate what you're watching if you don't kind of get it. Um, and it's funny. Like, it is probably his funniest movie, but it doesn't... Like, The Lobster, you can tell, okay, that's a joke, that's a joke, and The, and the Favorite, okay, that's a joke, that's a joke, this... In this, it's like the entire movie is kind of a joke. Right. Like, I don't know, like, it's like the tone of it and the... Like, there's no outward, like, okay, he said that line, that has to be a joke. It's just more of, like, everything surrounding it. Like, the entire, all of the dialogue's kind of a joke. It's just so, (laughs) it's almost indescribable, this movie. It's so just off. And I, and it's funny, if I saw this, I think, even, like, two years ago, I don't, I I would not get it. Like, I I just don't think, I I would just kind of push it aside, or I would, I wouldn't try to uh, I wouldn't try to go to it. I wouldn't try to enter the film. I would just try, like, be like, it, it has to come to me. I can't, you know, I'm not going to let it, uh, I'm not going to get too, I'm not going to work too hard to get on uh, its wavelength. I'm just going to, it has to do, do something for me instead of me trying to actively uh, be invested in it. Um, you know, your but now has, has this quote where he's like, I want people to like my movies, obviously, but I also want people to hate my movies. <laughs> Just so I can. And this is yeah. That's every it. director. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wasn't that like Lars von Trier kind of, kind of sensibility? Like he's, he obviously wants to grow a fan base, but he doesn't. He wants to, I don't know, just for uh, divisiveness' sake. Um, like I saw this movie in theaters, like, like Wes, and it was like an impromptu trip. Like, you never know with a twenty-four if they're gonna. Um, expand or uh, if they're ever going to expand out of like New York and Los Angeles I feel like that they're always uh, confused on what to push and what not to push but yeah. um, so this came to us thankfully and we didn't know or we weren't expecting it to um, so we go and like every 10 to 25 minutes someone would leave <laughs> like, like it was like it wasn't full, obviously, but it wasn't, it wasn't dead. It was like kind of in the middle. And so by the scene when, um, Colin Farrell is spinning himself and he shoots, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Bobby, it was just my friends and I, it was just <laughs> like, um, like when he was talking about the first time he masturbated, like three people walked out when he was searching for the blood, the teeth and the pubes, someone walked out. Like it was, it was just... what about when he talked about jerking his dad off? Right. Yeah. So um, it was just, <laughs> God, this movie is crazy. I love it. It's, it's so great. And that's one of my favorite theater going experiences. Um, just like it wasn't a large crowd of people with like pitchforks and, flaming torches. <laughs> they would just, just be like, I'm slow, done. Yeah. I'm out. 
It was such a slow walkout. Was... <laughs> I'm handing in my card. I'm done. Yeah, I can't yeah. do it. By the end, diner. The, by the end, in diner scene, it was just three guys. <laughs> <laughs> I think my experience was like you. Like you, it's one of my favorites too because when I got there, it was just like two guys, and they were obviously like just you know friends or whatever, and it was just us in that one little theater, right. and. We laughed at everything. <laughs> like, yeah. it was just like three guys in the theater laughing at this like crazy ass movie. It, it's so it's so insane. Um, the first time, funny enough, the first time I saw this movie was with Jack. We were um, he he really wanted me to watch it, and he that's another time he wanted to show someone the movie. And so while we were watching it, he would. Um, <laughs> Like during a certain scene when we hit, he was like, "All right, this is when someone walked out here," and then like later on the film, okay, another person walked out at this point, and I and I I love kind I kind of love that because it made me realize just like it made sense to me any every time that happened and it kind of added to the absurdity of of it all and how this movie gives no fucks and I love it it yeah. act, like it just does not give a single fuck it's gonna like we're gonna show you some weird shit you either get on the train or get the fuck off <laughs> like um, you know it's it's so great i remember when um steven is takes the donut and he shoves it in bobby shoves it in his yeah. son's mouth <laughs> someone, and says yeah. you eat the whole box <laughs> someone screams <laughs> someone screams out stop it <laughs> <laughs> to the screen <laughs> and it's like that kind of provocation where it's like you need to elicit those responses to like challenge you and like poke you it's it's why Yorga I'm so excited to see him continue with his career because if this is what he makes I mean he hasn't made that many movies so I I mean he can only go mo- go up from here I think yeah no I agree yeah. I, I think after, you know like I think this is my second favorite. I haven't seen The Lobster in a while, but I don't know. Like, it, this, it, the favorite and this is probably tied. Maybe the favorite edges out a little bit, but I just, that there's just so, so, like, they're both really good. And I still really dig The Lobster. I just, I saw it a little while ago, so I'll, I'll have to give it a rewatch. But this, but this is like one of the more ballsy movies I, I've ever really seen. And it's also, one it, it, and ballsy movies are great, but when it succeeds in ways you didn't think was possible, is even better. Like I didn't know you could make Colin Farrell and Nicole Kidman that like unattractive. Yeah. In the sense, I didn't know you could have like have them like in maybe kind of a, cent- a, a central type scene be them have them so like completely unsexy. Like it, it it's just. It was like bread, it, or not bread, but it was like just like it's stale. Um, it's stale. It's so stale, and I can't believe that like someone could actually achieve like two of the most gold, gorgeous, great actors have like basically no chemistry in a sense. But it works though. Like that's the thing. It's so weird, like how there's no like actual chemistry in this movie, yet it it makes perfect sense. It's weird it's, that it's different it's from so when weird. like David Cronenberg comes to mind when I think of stale kind of direction. Like, yeah, True. Um, 
I think about Cosmop- Cosmopolis, and I just I hated Cosmopolis because I just could not vibe with it. Um, just the way that he positioned like all the actors to be so monster. Like I get it; it's for satire's sake, but it doesn't make for an engaging story. But this, it's like people will just say whatever the hell they want, and it makes perfect sense in this world. Because it's not too far out from our own world. Yeah, I was thinking, like, if you took um, the actress who, like, Kim, the character Kim, or the actress who plays Kim. Rafi Cassidy. If you put, that's it, if you took, like, any character, Mm -hmm. like her, for instance, and put her in, like, I don't know, a quote-unquote regular movie, like, she would be the like, the weird girl or the main villain or whatever. Like, if you took any character in, like, his, Yorgos' movies, it would be, like, such a complete shock. Yeah. Um, yeah, it would It would be, like, those characters, and they are kind of, in a sense, unlikable in this movie, but if, I don't know, but, like, in any other movie, they would be, like, they would be so hated and reviled. Mm, it would yeah. it, it would be crazy. It's why him uh, and Colin Farrell are such a match made in heaven. <laughs> like they, <laughs> um, he's he just kind of uses him as his robot, and he's like, Colin, no, <clears throat> no facial expressions. <laughs> you know? And um, you bring up Rafi Cassidy, and it's been a little bit since I. It's been a few months since I've seen Vox Lux. Have you seen that? Good movie. Yeah. Um, it's the second podcast I brought Fox Lux. Um, but she's similar in that movie where she's just kind of like, well, I mean, it's for a bigger reason in the beginning, but yeah, she, she, again, like, it's like that. She's just kind of the weird girl. And, and she achieves it perfectly. Yeah. Like in every movie she's in kind of like Anya Taylor joy a little bit. Oh yeah. yeah, I can see that. Um, I I'm a big fan of a uh, Sonny Solchak who plays um, uh, Bob, which is so weird to name a kid Bob. Dad, I can't. Um, my, but I can't move my legs. <laughs> uh, he uh, I don't know. I I bet a decent amount of people have. Okay. I don't know if you. I know Jack hasn't, but have you played a uh, God, the new God of War on PS4, or do you not play? No, I um, I like that game. Yeah, he plays. Um, he plays uh Kronos's kid, or Kratos's kid, um, and he's really good in that. Um, and I see mid nineties. I think he's really good in that too. I I really like him as an actor. I think he's. I'm really interested to see where he goes. Um, and yeah, I, I I think him and God of War is one of the better video game performances I've seen in a little bit. I think he's just so good and um, empathetic, um, and gives a lot of humanity in a video game that could be pretty emotionless. Um, but like he, I think he's really good, and I loved seeing him in this. I think he he already knows what kind of movie he's into, which is 
hard for I feel like a lot of young actors to really vibe with like a weirdly a weird tone movie or like a tone a movie that has this really obscure tone. Um, and he just and both of them just kind of vibe with it immediately, and they know what movie they're in. And I just think that like takes somewhat of experience and talent, and they were able to do it. Child actors working with auteurs kind of reminds me of the kid from Funny Games, the U.S. Funny Games. <laughs> like you just oh yeah, how I can you, see that. Like, how did how do you take a a mind so um so less developed than? Um, Tim Roth and Naomi Watts and just like mangle it to like to tune it yeah. to your shit yeah exactly Michelle Hanukkah's you can't not even adult actors can work with them as well as that kid did yeah thank goodness we'll never cover that um <laughs> I was thinking um, how funny this how funnier this movie would be if like Jacob Tremblay played Bob <laughs> instead of Sonny that would be weird. I would kind of dig it, though. Um, um, go ahead. Yeah, because Jacob Tremblay, I think, because he hasn't worked with that many directors that have challenged him. Um, like, I've only seen him in Rome, but... And he's great in Rome, but it's... It's like he looks so innocent and just... Yeah, that would be that would be fascinating. <laughs> I've seen Doc. I, I saw Doctor Sleep last night, and he's in that, and I had no idea. And he's really good. He um. Does he play younger Danny? No, no, no. He he's a totally. I don't want to spoil it because he actually pertains to the plot a bit. But he no, he's not younger Danny though. He's just like a kind of randomish character that, and he does something that I I didn't know he could do, and it's <laughs> uh it's it's actually quite disturbing. I I did it, it's pretty crazy what they do in that movie with him. Because first, like, it's also Jacob Trenley. He's not in the movie a lot, and he doesn't have, like, too many lines, but what he's given to do is crazy. Now, like, we haven't brought up the, the best performance. One of my favorite performances of the decade. Mr. Mister Camp? Barry Keoghan. Oh, okay, yeah. As, um... Oh, yes. That? Yeah, um, just outrageous. <laughs> outrageous um like the devil he's like the devil honestly yeah my favorite it performance is... out of any yorgos movie really i i mean yeah no i think i think i might agree with that but i i oh, yeah outsta- I, outstanding it's work. up there um did you guys did see this, this come... before or after dunkirk yeah i was actually gonna say did this come out before or after dunkirk i think this came out after and I saw it, it came out shortly after Dunkirk. Yeah, yeah. Okay. so you kind of have that like whiplash. Oh, goodness. Yeah, kind but of this also certify this movie had to certify him. I think. I mean, Dunkirk is like, oh, that's cool. He's like a face. He's a rising star. He was good in that. But Killing of Sacred Deer must have just been like, oh, okay, no, this kid's the real deal. But this also premiered in Cannes like shortly before Dunkirk, so it's like everyone that was to saw it at the festival. And then saw Dunkirk must have been uh, even like more close to each other. Oh yeah, I would hate him if he was in Dunkirk. If I just saw Killing of a Sacred Deer, like I would be like, no, he's bad news. Do not trust him. You're right. Um, <laughs> he is not on our side. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think his strength is that he's like always moving. He's just like, and he's and he has this like arch to his neck, and and he just has this like boyish kind of haircut. 
and um and he like never makes eye contact yeah he never makes eye contact it's so it's so like unsettling i had like four people walk out of the spaghetti scene (laughs) (laughs) no he looks like in this movie a creature masquerading as a human yeah yeah 100% which is funny that we're covering this. So the last week's episode was uh, we need to talk about Kevin and Ezra Miller's performance. And I've infamously I got confused uh, for for like a long time. I got Barry Keoghan and Ezra Miller confused just because of these two movies of like <laughs> devil devil childs. Devil children. Uh, yeah, right. yeah. Exactly. And uh, but it's like Kids taking, they're both taking control of adults. Exactly. And how, like, you know, last week we were like, yeah, Kevin's the devil. And this week, um, I forget the character's name for some reason. Um, Martin. 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 Martin's the devil. It's like these two just devilish, like, genius, not maybe genius, but he's like really just manipulative, disturbing kids. Yeah. Um, Like, they're in tune with something that, like, normal people would never understand. I think what makes Martin like so much more scarier than Kevin is because like, okay, do you remember that scene when he first like lays out the um, like rules or whatever? Like, Oh yeah. Hey, your whole family, your whole family's going to die if you don't do what I say. And he um, keeps apologizing. Like, the, is what I love. He keeps saying sorry. <laughs> and like the way he, does he it says so it, fast. Yeah. Yeah, and I was going to bring up why he says it so fast. It's almost like he's carrying out orders. <laughs> like, from just something or someone else. And it's like... Like, I don't know. That just It's so creepy to me when he, like, lays out that plan. Because it's like... It's like... If a kid was, like, running down a list of groceries. It was. Yeah, and, like, yeah that's a really good way and, to think about it. <laughs> and he was kind of... He was mumbling a little bit, but so like when he was done, I didn't catch like I caught like maybe a third of it, and I went to Jack like, wait, what the fuck did he just say? <laughs> like that's the movie. Wait, what? And of course, what's happening? Of course, y- Yorgos tones this whole thing down like he does with all of his movies. <clears throat> so Colin is like, what? <laughs> you know, it's not like, <laughs> like what did you <laughs> like? Listen, punk. He's just like, okay, and he and he, I think the scene right after that is the donut scene, when he's like, you gotta eat all the donuts and the whole box. I got, I want it gone. I find it funny that Colin keeps the accent in this, and everyone else is. Even, <laughs> even Barry loses the Irish accent. <laughs> I think it would be a little much if both of the like both of the main characters were <laughs> Irish in like Chicago <laughs> or wherever they live. <laughs> <laughs> It's just funny that Colin keeps the accent. <laughs> it is weird. I, I gotta agree. It is weird. I'm glad he does it, but yeah. it's weird. And if memory serves, I don't think he does it for lobster. So... And Nicole Kidman's Australian, too. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> oh, I just... And she's great in this, too. Mm. She also has... In any other movie, this would have been such a thankless role. Like, oh, the wife of the guy who has to make all the decisions, blah, blah, blah. But she just... Well, Yorgos gives her a lot to do and makes sure that she's an actual character and she's present. And I really, really, I, I really dig that. And she's also an amazing actress. 
I think, um, yeah, she just, she's also just so vacant. Everyone's so vacant in this movie. It's incredible. I just don't know how you give that direction. You know what I mean? Like, if you give these all-star talents, you kind of have to ask them, be a bad actor? Like, I don't know. Like, you know, just, like, stop acting in a sense, but don't portray any emotion. Just kind of read the script and also have it to be good performances. It's something I can't even comprehend. It's like in that Michael Mann thing, like just tear them down. <laughs> like just like tear <laughs> yeah, them I guess. down and then rebuild them back up again. From all accounts, I think Yorgos is just a calm, nice and quiet guy. <laughs> like he doesn't raise his voice. He doesn't bark commands. He's just like, hmm, great, a little faster. <laughs> and then just he's very direct with his orders. Like, and I think that shines through in his vision. It's also, this could be the movie that might be overly direct, or, like, he overly directs his actors. He asks them to do, like, too many things at once, uh, which can overload um, certain performances. If he asks them to have, like, a thousand different uh, complexities at the same time while also doing the scene, I just feel like this movie would be so, it would be easy to do that with, because there's a lot happening, and with kind of a little in a sense, like you have to just kind of, you have to take in the entire scene to just really, you see all these strings happening with a scene that kind of seems monotonous. Yeah, uh, it's like, I don't know. It's so this movie, like I keep thinking about it, and it just astounds me because it's just there's nothing like it. Yeah. Uh, my thing. My about cousin Yorgos has always been he's the closest thing to Kubrick. I know that. You've, yeah, you told me this. Yeah. That's that's very. That's like a bold claim, but there's no. If you can had, see it in the kind of the opening shots, like when they're walking down the hallway and the camera is just like kind of in front of them, like trailing them like that. Hmm. That kind of camera movement, like, really calls to mind. I think, like, a Clockwork Orange. Oh yeah, totally. And there's certain shots of. Um, of Colin Farrell like walking in the hall like um, I forget what in particular but he's like uh, walking in the hospital in this like long hallway shot and it's it's pretty I think it's reminiscent of The Shining but it's also it's really well filmed he makes these choices that I'm like you didn't really need to make this choice but it really works the camera's a very it, foreboding presence exactly it's, it's like another yeah. character you can also see Martin being a droog in another life you would fit right into that, right? that cast. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, um, I can see. It. Oh, God. Oh, God. I, I didn't think about that. And, yeah, I, I think... Yikes. Um, I don't know if Yorgos ever likes any of his characters. Similarly, in the way Kubrick never liked any of his characters. Um, or Ari Aster. Or Ari Aster, yeah. Definitely. Like, maybe he... Like, Barry Lyndon's the exception. But... Um, and maybe like the favorites, Yorgos's exception to an extent, but I, I, I don't think... know. I think he does. I don't think he dislikes. I just think he feels like, yeah, some of these characters are fucked up. And I'm going to show you the mm. positive sides of that. I don't know. They're doing some fucked up shit. I don't know if you should like them. I think if he liked this family, then he would just have Steven contact the authorities and take this child away because... That's like if this was a quote-unquote traditional 
direction, then that's the route that they would go. But since he's like, no, I, I think that Steven's a little crazy and he kidnaps the kid and he makes them and he, uh, he kidnaps a teenager (laughs) and beats him senseless in his basement. And, and he deserves it. <laughs> and he, uh. Um, and you're watching it, you're kind of like, yeah, this kid fucking, you know, beat him more. <laughs> and eventually the plan goes through, and he does make the body count even, I guess, for all. For all purposes. <laughs> I'm just thinking about him just spinning around. Right, I, right. With the mask I, on. I, yeah. Oh, uh, but I watched it. I don't know. I forget what I said, but when that happened, I'm like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> like, I just was, and Jack was just waiting for it to happen when I was watching with him, and I was just like, oh my god. I'm like, still my ear, like, good, good, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy, that, oh, god. I, the more I think about it, the more I love this movie, and I can completely understand why, like, some people are like, yeah. no, I can't do it. It's very sinister in that way. Yeah, I, it's I, the best spin the bottle scene <laughs> in movie history. Except instead of who's gonna get kissed, it's who which of my kids is gonna get horribly murdered with a shotgun. <laughs> and he misses so many right. right, like he missed four times or something. Yeah. <laughs> it should not be a riot, but um, oh, it's so good. It's so earned too. Like it, it's the second yeah. last scene. So you're like, where can we go from here? But just close the curtains that's the culmination of like all of the tones in the movie in that one scene like the comedy the horror the drama totally totally it's a great observation and like it's not like if you look on imdb or letterbox or whatever there is no comedy like it's not like it's it's not under the (laughs) comedy category but it is a comedy there's just no way (laughs) it's so it's just, I, I know, I, I think we've said weird, like, so much, but it's so weird. It's bonkers. No, it's like, you haven't even passed the 10 minute mark when Colin Farrell says, oh yeah, my daughter, she started her period. <laughs> yeah, right. Like he says to Bill Camp at one point, my daughter, yeah. she started menstruating. And, um. I noticed oh, this God, time the around. hand job scene. I'm I'm sorry. I just thought of the hand job scene with Nicole Kidman. That's so. Oh my God. She's not breaking eye contact at all. I know it's so. Oh, Camp does it great in that scene too. He just has to. He has to do something so. Again, how do you direct that? How do you direct like the most unattractive, like off-putting hand job scene in the history of hand job scenes? I feel like Bill Camp at this point is like clay. Like you can just mold him to anything you want. <laughs> um, how, am I, how am I supposed to respond to that? Um, like, what am I supposed to do if he's like clay? <laughs> he's like Play-Doh. How about that? I mean, sure. But what I noticed this time around is the amount of mentions of hair. And I guess it's apparent, but it's it's like great beard. Great beard, of course, number one. Um, I'm going to make you eat your hair. I'm going to make you eat your hair. Um, we all got, like, the comment of, we all have great hair at the dinner table in, like, one of the first yeah. things. And it's like, yeah, sure, but that's a weird thing to say, Mom. <laughs> um, when uh. Martin asked to see Stephen's chest hair, 
and it's like, oh yes, sure, <laughs> of course, <laughs> you, he's right, and you do, you do have more chest hair. Oh God, it's just, I don't know. I, I when he rips apart the kitchen for searching for the pubes, pubic hair. Yeah. <laughs> Would you guys believe me if I said, like, I read this script last night and, like, there are changes to it that make it even more disturbing? Like, and I would believe you because I have, I feel like Lathamos is capable of that. Yeah. yeah when in the one of the scenes when Steven gives Martin the watch, like, he remember when he says, like, oh, can I give you a hug? Thank you. And he's like, it goes on so long. In the mm-hmm. script, he says, can I give you a kiss? And then he does that. Ooh, yeah. He says, Martin kisses him and then strokes his cheek. <laughs> yeah, that... I kind of want to see it now, but I don't know. That would have been maybe a little too far, but... Yeah, no, that's... that's. I mean, that makes sense, because he looks at to him as, like, a father figure. And he can't yeah. control his, his, like, urges and attention. Um, So it goes into the idea, but... Like, <laughs> I wouldn't have loved to see that because Colin Farrell, in the in the same way, um, I was talking about Bill Camp. He's just like down for anything that Yorgos would like him to do. Because if not, they would not have redeemed. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, I, 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 I the relationship between Barry. Um, I, not very. Uh, Martin, yeah, you know, Mr. Kyogen. Uh, no, Martin and Farrell's character, uh, was it Steve? Yeah, Steven. Um, it's so, it is a father-son kind of relationship, but you just don't feel like Martin is, like, vindictive in those moments. You're like, oh, no, he really looks up to him. I just, I guess I'm curious what the, what was his purpose to be so a part of Steven's life and not be it's because I don't think their relationship had like with this twist. I don't think that I don't think Steven felt so betrayed. I think he was just like, this is so fucked up. Like he, there's so many more things going on than like their personal relationship at stake. So I'm curious why, like why would Martin care so much of making this attachment? Did he just genuinely want one? even though he realized what he would have to do later. I find that interesting. Was this like, was this always the plan or did it just become the plan? Probably what makes him so scary is that like, you know, nothing about him. He's so mysterious. Absolutely nothing about him. And I, I, I don't really have like theories. I don't really do that with movies, but but I can't even think well, of you know coming the up with one. That all A twenty four movies are connected. No. You don't, is that you don't, is that no, a theory? No, just what? kidding. No, just okay. Kidding. No. Oh god. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the Pixar you see, thing. You see Ladybird like, the in the Pixar corner, thing, and like Connie oh, from yeah. Good Time shows up at one point. Like a bear comes out, yeah. and you're like, oh, that must have been the yeah. bear they got in Midsummer. Okay. Paymon shows up in the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> Ava is just yeah. out there in the wild. Scarlett Johansson just like... under the skin. This is so stupid. This is the stupidest thing. Lady Bird is in Sweden. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, like if we like uh, Martin just pops into Sacramento for no reason. Um, um, what was the first, no? 
What was it like the first time you drove around Sweden? Okay. <laughs> uh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. No, it's... What? Why that order of things? Like, why this curse? I don't know how you come up with this. And also, I don't even know, like, how you could make up a theory of, like, oh, you know what? I bet Martin did this. Like, it's so random. Well, I'm not sure if this answers it, but this is also based on a Greek tragedy. Oh, is it? See, I felt... I kind of... Re- it kind of felt like like this wasn't completely original in the sense of like, I felt like there was a backbone of story that like that that's been read before. Yeah. I'm pretty sure at its core, it's just um, a doctor that takes a boy's father's life while operating on him and the boy's vengeance on the doctor. And I think that Yorgos took that because he is a Greek director (laughs) and I think he must've just, always had the story in the back of his mind and uh, just took it and ran with it, I'm assuming. Um, that would make sense. Yeah. Uh, I, I, it's So, yeah, it it does have... Weird, the original have... story had Colin Farrell in it. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. He's been alive for 200 yeah. years. Um, <laughs> no, 200 years, no, like... And also, I, I also like the, sub, the subtext that he was an alcoholic before the movie began because I think Colin Farrell was also an alcoholic. An alcoholic. An alcoholic. Yeah, just look uh, at Miami Vice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm boy. looking at the poster right now. And oh, it's great. You haven't it's seen great. it? <gasps> I have not seen it. I've heard good things about it. He looks so disappointed. <laughs> Jack, Jack's a little obsessed with that movie, but it is great. I love Miami Vice. Um, and Colin's haircut is 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 like Jackson Maine from Stars Born. Stars Born. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. No, that's 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 actually one hundred percent true. But no, he looks really coked out, and I and I don't in Miami Vice, and I don't know if that's for the movie or if that's real life. Um. Well, he, he, after that movie, he went straight into rehab. Yeah, he, he like just walked off the set the last day, and he just walked straight into. Where you had to get help, like, like he's good, clean and sober nowadays. Like, good for Colin Farrell, but um, he was struggling in by like, two thousand five, six, and seven, I think. But yeah, um, it just it's it's like a nice little detail that they add in. Uh, Stephen killed uh, Barry's father just because he was drunk when he was operating on him. <laughs> And um, and Colin Farrell is a recovering alcoholic. So what does Martin do next? <laughs> like, like, I don't know what you do next. You just like carry on with your life after you you have apparently you have this power to curse a family in the most weirdest way possible. Do you use that like the next time as like a party trick? Like, <laughs> 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 what do you do? He goes back to watching There's... Groundhog Day and eating. Red sauce spaghetti. Oh, God. Oh, we should talk about the Alicia Silverstone scene, one of the more uncomfortable scenes I've seen in a minute. You have beautiful hands. Yeah. And she gets to suck on Colin Farrell's hands. Yeah. Everyone oh, on Twitter's so dream. It's so weird. Yeah. <clears throat> it's also weird to put Alicia Silverstone. I don't know. I just feel like, oh, wow, that's like a name. That's not, you didn't pick up some random... Actress, like that's a name. Yeah. 
clueless double feature with this. <laughs> Actually, be interested in that. What if she? What if she? Um, showed up as Cher. As Cher. <laughs> <laughs> like that was. She was still in character. <laughs> so, okay. Wes, what what made you choose this movie? When we, you know, we ask every guest, like, all right, uh, what? Mom, can I have my friend Martin's over? Mom, can I have my friend Steven over? <laughs> ah, as if. <laughs> no, what made me choose this movie is that, um, like, the weirder a movie is, the more I feel like it's tied to my identity. So you could imagine that, you know, this is one of the more out there movies in the past decade. And I, I think it's just so much fun to think and like talk about, you know, a movie like this. Mm. Cause like you could talk about it for like, I don't know, days. <laughs> There's just so much to speculate on it. It's just yeah, like, I, so well. It's so it's, well. It really is. Yeah. It really is. I find most we, wait, your, so, gross, your gross movies are like that. They just have a lot to pick at. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, especially like yeah, the lobster's extremely strange. I think the favorite might be his least strange movie, even though it has this quirk to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's because the favorite it's definitely... doesn't have him as a solo writer. He didn't even write the script. Well, he co-wrote the script with for Killing of a Sacred Deer with a collaborator of his. I yeah, I believe so. But the favorite, um, it wasn't written by him, so I think that's why it was his most. Uh, like, for lack of a better word, favorite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, consens- consensusly, yeah, I'm pretty sure the favorite is the favorite. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. Hey, what's the weirdest movie you've seen this year, Wes? Ooh, okay. The weirdest movie I've seen this year? Oh, that would definitely be The Image Book by oh, okay. Jean Goddard. Which I took my mom to see, and she never wants to see a movie with me again. So, <laughs> yeah, that's the risk. That's why it happened when I took my mom to see Mother. I'm just kidding. No. Oh God. I took my mom to see Mother actually, and she liked it. <laughs> oh, I I dread covering that. I. <laughs> that is awesome. We're well. I haven't. I've never seen it, and I don't know if I want to or really need to. I also have a funny story about about that in the cinema. We might have to just do it just yeah. because of that story. Yeah. Um, um, I what about I? I don't know. I'm curious, Zach. What do you, What do you think is the weirdest movie of the year? I feel like me and you both have the same answer. Hmm. By the way, you reviewed that the image book. Is that right? Yeah, I wrote an article for it for the Symbol Cinephile. Yeah, I'll I'll link it in the description. Oh, cool. Um, weirdest movie. I mean, easy answer is the lighthouse in Midsummer. Yeah, the lighthouse is mine. I just like. Come yeah. on. Um, I'll have it, to look back at, on the year in case I'm missing any. But um, I mean, the thing the thing about Midsummer and the lighthouse is that they're also pretty accessible despite their abstraction. <clears throat> Because I'm surprised come... how many people like The Lighthouse. Oh, totally. I love yeah. it, but they're, like all of my friends are like, oh, yeah, no, I love this movie. I'm like, you? Yeah. When I saw <laughs> The Lighthouse, it was pretty full, and I was I was just delighted to see 
the turnout. It was, yeah, mine too. Yeah. Was, One of my coworkers that I was not, ex- who I didn't expect to like The Lighthouse said, like, it was his favorite movie of the year. See, that's so weird because I've heard that from so many people. And now Wes is and turning I don't into get a, it. And now Wes is turning into a, a wiki. <laughs> a wiki. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's it's also like it's a black and white film with a ratio aspect that no one watches anymore, and like a, like and it has these dialects that are almost incomprehensible, and yet everyone's like, yeah, great movie, and I'm like, well, I think so, but why you? I think it's the humor, I think that's what kind of grounds it. Um, the farts, the yeah, far- you're right. The far- it's the, the farts, the flatulence. Um. When I saw it with my friend, he described it as uh, the episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Um, Mac and Dennis moved to the suburbs, but like, um, if it was released by Criterion Collection. <laughs> and, and, I think, and I think it was kind of like, like, okay, that is like an exaggeration. Obviously, there's a lot, a lot more craft involved and, and stuff like that. But at its core, it's about two dudes surviving in an, in an isolated location and what happens to a person's uh, desires and sexualities when they are put away from civilization. And it doesn't matter how influenced you are by Lovecraft or Igmar Bergman. It's just you're going to get a response because you had in stepbrother's influences as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I see that. Yeah. Uh, speaking of, all right, I have no transition. I was going to try to do it. I have no transition. Uh, what do we think of Martin's relationship with the daughter? Because that's a that's a yeah. I I think that's probably if I had to see like if I had to say what my least favorite aspect of this movie is, it might be that. I'm not saying I don't like it, um, but I do. I don't know. I, I find it... I do think it's really interesting. Um, and it somewhat makes sense. But Martin's also, like, the least charismatic character I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> so it's weird that he like they, he gets a relationship in this. Well, I think she was in on it. Honestly. Yeah, I guess. I think oh, because... you mean in on it as the plot of, like... as Yes, the plot, because um, right before... The scene before, um, you know, Bob can't feel his legs. <laughs> Martin is... Um, Bob, get up for school. Bob, get up for school. Stop messing around. <laughs> Your mother and I aren't going to drive you. <laughs> Martin, uh, he's sitting on his motorcycle, like, staring at the house, and he picks up Kim. And if you... Watch the scene where Kim and um, Martin are driving down the road. You see her crying. Like, there are, like, tears, like, streaming down her face. Oh, wow. And then when she gets back home, she asks her mom if she's okay. Hmm. So I'm starting to think, like, if there was something, like, you know, a cooperation there, or she just knew or maybe, ahead of time. Yeah, I think it might... You know, it could be both, but... I. I think it, it's probably more she knew ahead of time, but yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. That's interesting. Speaking of it, like lack of chemistry, there if there's nothing between Colin Farrell and Nicole Kidman, um, 
it's funny enough that Rafi Cassidy and Barry Keoghan have nothing. <laughs> just oh, not a single yeah, thing. Yeah, it's like, no. but it works. It, it in anything else, you'd be like, oh, this is just so boring. I'm also now remembering Colin Farrell and Nicole Kidman were in The Beguiled together. And if there was oh, yeah. a, a more hot and like bothered movie, that, that's so much more different than Killing of a Sacred Deer. It's the Beguiled. Like that might be the horniest movie I've ever seen. Oh, totally. <laughs> or that movie is just straight horn dog in it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just because it's literally it t- takes place in the summertime. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. No. Um. Yeah, it is interesting how, again, I don't know how you direct lack of chemistry. I don't know how I have to say. You have to have no chemistry with this person. <laughs> not a single thing. Um, so do we think this is a horror movie? Because I've heard that take, and I don't disagree, but, I mean, and horror comedy is more common than people think. Mm. Um, I was going to say this is a horror comedy. More yeah, than I, I think, you know, I, I agree. I, 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 I agree. What do you think, Jack? We just had a very... We just recorded our witch episode um, recently, and we had this long conversation about genre and how it's like... I don't know. I, I have a tough time trying to categorize um, because it's like... Lent Moses rejecting anything from a traditional horror movie, but I guess it's it's as subjective as comedy. Like whatever scares you is going to be considered a horror. Like whatever makes you laugh is comedy. Um, I just I guess I put it in like a thriller, even though even then it's kind of loose. You can play around with that. Yeah, I it, yeah, it's also thriller. psychological. It's a paranoid movie. Mm-hmm. Um, did you, when you first both watched it, did you expect, um, the curse to actually be a thing? Um, yeah, I, cause like Parasite, when I first saw this, I, I knew, I knew nothing about it at all. Like, I did not know what I was walking into. No smart. So I... <laughs> So, like when, uh, like when Martin was just like listing off like all of the horrible Old Testament shit that was about to happen to this guy's family, like I was like, okay, I guess this is gonna happen now. <laughs> yeah, um, similar. <laughs> yeah, he does accept it. Then he's like, maybe he's not right, but then accepts it again. Yeah, yeah, similar thing, and that's actually an interesting comparison to Parasite. Like, there's a. I mean, of course. No spoilers. I know, I know. Um, yeah, there's a. Sw- I'll just say there's literally a sw- watching it in an hour. <laughs> there's Do a not sw- fuck this up, Jack. There's a switch halfway through. Um, you think that it's gonna go left, but then it goes right. Yes, and we get sim- it. Move on. <laughs> and similar to Killing of a Sacred Deer, I think. Uh, you just you just go with it because. It's uh, it's defying expectations, and um, hmm. I'm gonna stop with the parasite comparisons. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's more like 
yeah, because it's just kind of going, it's just kind of flatlining at that point. And then it's like, okay, so uh, this, this is the direction we're going. And you wouldn't suspect Martin to, um, to not carry it or carry it out because he doesn't really seem all that. He's a little boy. Yeah, yeah. He's like, what is he going to do against like Colin Farrell, who's like a foot taller than him? (laughs) And he's also so like, he's so he's so vulnerable and kind of sweet and since not maybe not sincere, but he is he has nothing sinister about him when we look at him. He's kind of pathetic, but he's not. But he's just like, oh, poor. Poor Martin. He just doesn't have it figured out yet. He just doesn't have, like, social cues. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, So, do we think that there is any director right now in Hollywood that could possibly make something, I don't, not like this movie, but similar? Like, not this movie exactly, but in a similar way? Someone to just give so little fucks and also have the movie be so, to take such a hard stance on not giving a shit what the audience thinks. I think Panos Cosmatos. I just I thought of him too. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a good another Greek if I'm not mistaken. Like Beyond uh, the Black Rainbow is like it does not give a fuck what you think. Like the movie is what it is, and you're either gonna go for it or you're not. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Same thing with Mandy. I think even though it might be a little more Beyond the Black Rainbow think... is. I'm still such a good movie. Yeah, it's it's so fucking good. I um, haven't seen it. I've seen Mandy though, and I really dug Mandy. Beyond the Black Rainbow is is not even. I mean, of course it's a movie, but I, I, <laughs> of course it's a movie. <laughs> it has moving you know, images. It's a movie. People talk. Um, <laughs> there's a beginning, middle, and end. No, I guess I just I was about to say it's not a movie. <laughs> <laughs> of course. It's not cinema? Are you Martin Scorsese <laughs> or something? No, I, um... <laughs> I don't know. I just... That's just a really good answer. Uh, yeah. I uh, I think Ari Aster, and it's... And for one reason, is because he... There keeps... There's always this clickbait article of, like, Ari Aster wants to do a comedy. And it's... And I find that... Yeah, apparently he, he's gonna do a, um... A melodrama. Interesting. Like um, okay, um, imitation wow. imitation of life influenced. Oh, which would be fascinating. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I think if he married his horror weird sensibilities, and he's also kind of a director who who makes a stance in what he kind of movie he wants to make and. Uh, even if it might be alienating towards some audiences. But if he married whatever he wanted to do with comedy, because I have no idea what his like comedic chops are, maybe besides like Will Poulter in the Midsummer, I don't know what his like view on comedy is. Um, and so if he married that with his horror elements, I, I feel think like we could get something funny. like this. Hereditary is very funny. But it's only because of how absurd it can, it can get, at least on the first time you see it. So wait, who's funny in that? I don't remember. Um, it doesn't have like a Will Poulter uh, character that you would single out as the as the comic relief, but I think it's 
it's just some of the things Tony Collect does, I suppose. But the humor comes from like the tension. I think okay. Yeah, I, there's I can, I there's that, that scene where she's like like screaming after she finds her headless daughter in the car and like there's three transitions mm-hmm. where she's still screaming. Okay, like, yeah. One where she finds her one in her bedroom when she's crying and then like another at the funeral. So it just like keeps going and it's so uncomfortable that you kind of have to yeah, laugh. Kind of, yeah, exactly. When I saw Yeah, no, I I completely agree. When I saw Hereditary in theaters, there was um someone that was laughing when Charlie died. Oh my god. <laughs> just just because of the whole and I and Oh my god. At this I kind of I mean I didn't I I was startled and shaken but i got it because like peter was high he was driving home she was allergic to nut it was because of a nut allergy like there was a lot of things that like build up built up to the death that um that i mean the circumstances i guess are kind of fun yeah but it's like oh god yeah yeah it was very it was a very interesting you can just imagine that just like the head comes off and we're like oh and someone's like (laughs) Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's good. There are a lot of people I know that, like, when they're in a stressful situation, they like won't stop laughing. Like, so that might have been one. Yeah, like, that could be it. it. That could be it. I, I wouldn't be surprised about that. And this, or you could have just found it funny. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> is there a stressful? I guess. Is there like a real tense, like really tense scene besides maybe him with the gun <laughs> twirling? Anytime I think about it, I laugh. It's so funny. I mean, him eating that spaghetti was pretty... Yeah. ...fucking creepy. Yeah. No, I mean, like, it's creepy, but, like, tense, like, where you're just like, oh, no, what's gonna happen? It's like, more... I know like, gonna happen. Just, uh, oh, um... I know one. Um, when he visually demonstrates... This made me go... No, stop it. This is what made me go stop in the theater. Um, when he takes a bite out of... Steven's arm and he rips a oh, chunk oh, of yeah. his own arm. <laughs> and it's like, okay, we get it, we get it. You want to take something from he took something from Nina, you want to take something from him. It's it doesn't need the demonstration. Uh, and then it's undercut by the best line in the movie. Oh, it's a metaphor. Right. <laughs> it's metaphorical. <clears throat> that uh. that was tense. Just because like this kid is not only um, being serious. I mean, I think it's long before that that we knew that he was serious, but it was, um, it was like he's a psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, he's he's crazy. He's definitely like in. <laughs> I think this whole movie. I mean, this movie is crazy. It's demented. It's I, so demented. I also love the shot of when Bob falls down for the second time. And it's like you see the entire entrance. Oh, is that like the God's Eye view? Yeah, the God's Eye, and it's like you see the entire building of the entrance. It's so cool. And he's he's like he gets to the end of the escalator and he just falls down. (laughs) Oh my god! It's so funny. The way like when Bob cuts his own hair and (laughs) you just see this (laughs) this voice and he doesn't he doesn't even register that someone's there because he's crawling. 
dead. Why? Those, yeah, those crawling shots. It's just like so like slow, and he's just like, and it's like he's just walking. Yeah. It's like, yeah. uh, right, right. Uh, just, Dad, I want my my legs to work like Kim's. I don't say that. Oh god, man. So, okay. Now this is a really fucked up question, but if you were Colin Farrell, who would you kill? If if you couldn't, if you were like, you know, I'm not gonna do it by random chance. I gotta pick one. Myself. Who would you? Yeah. See, I think me me and Jack talked about it. Like, I kept asking him, "What if he just killed himself? Would that work?" Like, I you know, yeah, I don't think he brings that up in the original like list of things he has to do. Yeah, see, because that's, I don't know, if I was, like, if I asked, okay, I'll ask Martin, hey, can I, uh, can I top myself off, can I kill myself, and he's like, no, you gotta choose one of them, alright, okay, cool, okay, cool, I'll figure it out, thanks. Um, I probably, honestly, the sun is last on my list, I'd probably, I want, I don't want to kill my kid, so maybe Nicole Kidman, but, like, I would kill myself because of guilt. I think. I mean, if we're being serious and putting ourselves in in his shoes, um, I would realize that my consequences had bigger effects than just being drunk at the surgery desk one night. You know, like because someone's, despite Martin not not being the most like agitated or like animated of characters. He is kind of broken just within the fact of you killed my dad. So. so but what about if you couldn't kill yourself? What about Martin's like, no, nah, no, nah, that's not how it works. Because, I, you know, I have an answer. I, I mean, it's going to sound fucked up. I'm killing the daughter. All right. I'm just like, just like she was she might have been in on it. She was sympathetic. She kept like trying to go to him. Mm-mm. No. Would That's you take it. that I'm back done. if Rassy Cassidy, Raffy Cassidy was a listener? <laughs> I would I, I would appreciate her listen, but I would stand strong in my opinion. I don't get influenced by outside sources. I'm a respectable journalist. So, um, or broadcaster, I guess. Uh, <laughs> we can move off of this if that, that might be <laughs> I don't know why. I just kept. I I like to think about that kind of like when it's like these horrible situations where people have to make horrible choices and be like, oh, I do. Do you guys when consider twenty seventeen the best year in this decade? See, I was looking at that and I was looking at the list of films and I'm like, holy shit, this is great. Wes, if you put twenty fifteen, twenty sixteen, and twenty seventeen were like so good. Mm. 2014, I think, had Whiplash. 2014 yeah. also has Boyhood and Grand Budapest Hotel. I still haven't seen Boyhood. <laughs> yeah, it took me a while to see that, see that too. It, um, so, like, Blade Runner, Get, uh, a, Get Out, for Boyhood Logan, Sheepwater, episode. Dunkirk, Phantom Thread, Call Me By Your Name, Boss City of Z, Florida Project, Good Time. This is, like, um, such an easy answer. I think 2017 is... Easily the best year of the decade. Yeah. I mean, if 2019 ends strong, I might argue. Because, like, I've, I I feel like this year's been so interesting. Mm. Um, especially if, like, especially with, like, these 
the indies, I think, have just been so... I don't know. Uh, like, I think when I finished The Lighthouse, I was kind of like, is this... This this could be something special, because I haven't seen, like, Parasite in a lot of other movies, so I feel like... I don't know, but 2017's actually pretty amazing. Mm. I mean, if Cats mm. comes out and it's like... Oh, yeah, 100%. ...record-shattering, then that'll, that'll change my mind. <clears throat> I mean, Ian McKellen and Idris Elba as a cat. I mean, that has to be a mad masterpiece, James Corden right? and Taylor Swift? I mean, come on. Okay, maybe not. <laughs> Wes, are you going to get a I cat? I love that it's playing opposite of Star Wars. <laughs> right. It's like when Sisters came out, the Tina Fey and Amy Poehler comedy next to Force Awakens. <laughs> Force Awakens, yeah. <laughs> Like, what uh, did they have weekend? digital fur technology in Sisters? Like, I don't the, think so. The Point Break remake came out that weekend. <laughs> the Force Awakens remake. Um, but does but did that well, did that have digital fur technology? No, but they did have spiked penises. Is that wait what? Jabuki's, what? Jabuki's tweet. Did you not remember that? No, I don't. Oh, it's like, oh, he um, comedian Jabuki. Um, changes twitter name to the cats uh twitter and he's like yes oh yes movie does have (laughs) digital spiked for penises (laughs) and he got his twitter removed oh god (laughs) i remember that so fucking funny (laughs) i love jibuki um but yeah i think between this ladybird good time and the florida project if i'm not forgetting anything this is also like a24 there's a lot it's also A24's biggest hits in, yeah. in terms of, like, just favoritism. Oh, you're talking about A24. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, it's our first A24 movie, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 The Witch was. Oh, well, I mean, coming out, this is... Wait, what do you mean? Um, this is coming out before The Witch. Oh, yeah, oh, okay, I guess spoilers then. Um, that's right. We didn't release it yet. No, it is our, it is our first. Oh, wait, wait. Was the Beguiled A24? No. No. Okay. Let's focus. Uh, Free Fire. That's also, that was, that was A24. I know that. I can't, do you guys like Ben Wheatley? I can't get into him. I've only seen Free Fire. And I just wasn't into that movie. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I kind of like that movie. I don't know. I tried with High Rise. I don't know. I couldn't get into High Rise. Maybe Kill List. I've been. I think recommended Kill List a bunch. Was Assassination Nation an A twenty four movie? Oh, I don't, I don't think so. But that would I that would be yeah. weird. It would kind of seem like a neon, wouldn't it? Oh wait, I think no, I think it was neon. Mm-hmm. So, would this be in your top ten of twenty seventeen? I think killing it was. a sick deer. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, easily. Yeah, I think it's right <laughs> outside. It's like right. It's like trying to creep in. Wes and I are like, yeah, oh, totally, no, <laughs> without hesitation. <laughs> and I love the movie too, but twenty, like, you had Phantom Thread in that year, so like that. I don't know. Like that was my number one that year. Yeah, you're you're a PTA shill. <laughs> I love that movie, As but we all should. <laughs> no, it's true. You know, you're right. You're right. You're right. Um, so question I ask at the end of every podcast. Every episode, what is your favorite scene of the movie? I can start because I've mentioned it like a thousand times and I laugh anytime I think about it. It's him twirling the gun. 
it's so it's so insane it's him trying to ch- it blindfolded and after like five or six shots he finally gets one Wes I mentioned this earlier but what if Mikhail Hanukkah directed this who? Michelle Hanukkah oh Jesus Christ <laughs> I can dream. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think my favorite scene uh, would have to be Colin Farrell trying to get his son to walk by telling him his most embarrassing story and then <laughs> threatening to make his son eat his own hair That's as right. punishment. Oh, God, that's, that's so good. Because at that point in the theater, I was like, questioning if this was my mind or the movie playing. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait. A ghost story came out in 2017, too. It was A24. Um, oh. Oh, yeah. Okay. A ghost story bangs, if anyone hasn't. <laughs> I just want to shout that out. Is, I heard Rooney Mara eat a... Yeah, thanks. <laughs> I was just going to say that. <laughs> it's the only thing I can think of when I... I've never seen it, so like that's the first thing that pops in my head. Wait, what is it? Rooney Mara eating pie. That's the only. That's like the biggest thing I've heard from that movie. I mean, it is the showpiece, but it's, it's it, it it's it's more meaningful in context. Of, I mean, that's obvious, but um, no, I know. Uh, what, what was I gonna? Yeah, and I your love favorite. That, what? Your favorite scene. What's your favorite scene? Yeah, I, I'm getting there. Um, <laughs> oh, oh, get there faster! Come on. <laughs> um. I love that. Uh, I'm gonna make your own. I'm gonna make you your own hair. Line is followed by no TV for two months. That's, 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 that's like the biggest thing you could come up with. I'm gonna make you eat your own hair and then ground you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, my favorite scene. Ah, shit, man. I think it's. Man. I, I always struggle with this. I should really think about it earlier before we record. Hmm. I do. Oh, shit. No. Come on. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I think it's probably, yeah, when he's just revealing his master plan and the way that um, uh, Colin Farrell takes it in. It's just, it's just masterful because that's just totally not what, how a person would respond to that. And especially regardless of how the rest of the movie is constructed tonally, that reaction is just like, (laughs) (laughs) wait a minute. (laughs) It's totally, it's totally dehumanized and it just emphasizes the, uh, The the style. Yeah. Yeah, this movie is so detached. It's it's like maybe my favorite thing about the movie, which is so weird to say about a movie. Like, oh, I love the detachment in it. The detachment was like my favorite part. You know, I wish it was more detached. Like, you know, like that's so weird. And I think so that weird. might throw pe- some people off because the detachment in the lobster was more for satire. Mm-hmm. And it was like this. Um, making fun of the the idea of romance and the idea of like when people should should find love and where and and how long it should be kept so it's like there kind of serves a purpose because everyone else is so 
like dead inside and and um but yeah but here it's just this this world is just kind of loony so very loony all right is there any closing thoughts uh, i love this movie um the more i think about it the more i like it anyone else i hope yorgos makes another movie do we know what he has coming up next that's a great question. Yeah. I'll look that up. Because he can um, just kind of do anything he wants to. Yeah, and I don't find... Um, no. It's such a no, great power as a director. Mm. Yeah, definitely. If nothing is planned. He just released a short called uh, Nemic. Nemic? He just released a short called Killing of a Sacred Deer 2. Yeah, right. <laughs> the Martin stories. Right. Martin's revenge. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. It'd have to be Stephen's revenge. Oh, wait. Stephen's re- Yeah. Oh, wait. We got those names mixed up. <laughs> I love when he yells, when he gets to Martin's house and Stephen's just yelling at the top of his lungs because no one is, <laughs> has been that loud in the entire movie. So it's, yeah. it's weird that someone's finally um, like in demand. <laughs> It's like Martin. <laughs> yeah. No, it, 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 yeah. Yeah. There's like this kind of you don't really know what the breaking point is, which is weird. <laughs> yeah. You don't like. Is this the breaking point now? Now? Point. What about now? Now? Yeah. Because at at any time, um, Martin can just do whatever he wants to. <laughs> so yeah, there's just definitely. there's just no breaking um, anyone. Yeah, uh, for sure. Um, Wes, thank you so much for uh, coming on. We really appreciate it. Yeah, Good thanks for having me. This was a again. blast. Yeah, totally. Do you have anything to plug? <laughs> uh, well, I haven't made any short films yet, so <laughs> get back to me in like six months. <laughs> but uh, follow Film Era and The Simple Cinephile, because oh, I write oh, yeah. those guys. Oh, yeah. Um. So you have made shorts, you know, where they can be found? Oh, no, I haven't made any yet. Oh, okay. So I'm just, yeah, just getting we'll started. We'll keep an eye on that. Oh, nice, yeah, yeah. Yeah, thank you. I'll support it. Yeah, of course. Thank of course. you. Um, yeah. Jack, where can all the good people find you? I'm Jack A. Draper on Twitter, and, um, yeah, my work is on The Simple Cinephile as well. Um, yeah, Clay, where can everyone find you? Uh, y'all can find me at Clayfilm100 on uh, Twitter and also on Letterboxd. Uh, I'm also on an app called Stardust where we make 30-second reactions to our favorite or our least favorite um, movies, television shows. We just kind of uh, show uh, <clears throat> show our love and our passion for film and television, and it's a great community. We all celebrate what we love, uh, and it's really fun. I really enjoy it. Um, please remember to rate, review, subscribe, give us those five stars. We really appreciate it. We have our own Twitter profile called Exiting Through the 2000s. It is at T-E-T-T pod, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I should really mention that as well. <laughs> yeah, but that's oh, I'm doing yeah. the job, so <laughs> it's fine. Um, uh, and please, as always, we will be back next week. Uh, I don't know what we'll cover yet, but it'll probably be great because we're always great. Um, and <laughs> as always, keep exiting.